Hello and welcome to episode 329 of The Weekly, brought to you by PocketNow and XDA developers on this day, Friday the 26th of October 2018. From Xiaomi's busy week to Google's mishandling of sexual misconduct claims, it's a wide world in mobile tech out there, so we've got to talk about all of it. I'm Jules Wong, your host this week. Joshua is in China covering Xiaomi, but we will hear from him later on in the show talking about another topic that uh, we're actually looking forward to. Joining us for this segment, though, are two of our colleagues from XDA. TK Bay should be a familiar presence here. Welcome to you, sir. Hey, thank you, guys. Happy to be back, actually. And nice to see you again, Jules. It's, uh, I have to finally time. have you back on. This has uh, been a long time coming. And <laughs> has, here with has. us for the first time is Daniel Marchena. Hello to you. Hello, everyone. Well, glad to be here. Hey, hey, glad to have you on. So uh, there has been a lot of uh, stuff that's happened this week that isn't a mobile phone launch. We've had a very congested kind of three weeks before with Google and Microsoft and uh, LG, just a whole bunch of people. But Oh, yeah, and, and Huawei, too. You know. And Huawei. Yeah. And, <laughs> and oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and to an Razor. extent, we'll be able to talk more about that with Nicole Scott uh, in terms of uh, what Xiaomi has done this week. So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, uh, I hope that our listeners and viewers can forgive some of the construction that's been going on upstairs, huh? Hey, guys, you, you, you think that uh, you got that chair fixed up? Okay, great. Thanks. In any case, uh, do bear that uh, in mind and uh, apologies for that. We'll go on as usual. Uh, I do want to start with uh, one of the elephants in the room this week, and it was something that I kind of had to take a you know few seconds to think about as I was writing the story for this, and that was uh, the New York Times report on uh, not just Andy Rubin, uh, one of the co-creators of Android, but just a whole bunch of executives at Google who were quietly paid off and they were accused of sexual misconduct of just not following procedures over there. And just it's, it's, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And in particular with Andy room, it's not as if it's just, uh, he's just one of the father figures of Android. And that's why we're talking about it. It's also the fact that he was paid the most and was, uh, you know, permitted to, leave his influence, have his reign at Google from the time that Android got acquired in 2005 all the way to when he departed the company in 2013. And even after that, Google had supported him in creating his venture capital firm, Playground uh, Global, Mm -hmm. as well as his uh, company Essential. Uh, For me, this was one of those things where, you know, you hear about something that an artist did uh, that is horrible and rep- reprehensible and somehow you have to, you know, deal with something like the debate of, do you want to se- can you separate the artist from the arts? Can you separate um, the work from the person that did it? And I want to know what you think, uh, what your first blush is. And I'm going to start with Daniel on this one. Yeah. You know, I, 
I, I share a lot of your sentiments. Um, I, I feel the way that you do that. It's hard to separate the art from the artist. Um, you know, a lot of us see him as the father of Android. Um, but, you know, there were just a lot of bad decisions made uh, at Google. Um, and I think that's coming to light. It's good that it's coming to light, especially with the Me Too movement uh, and everything else that's going on right now. Um, you know, but you can't look at them the same way anymore, unfortunately. Um, and, and that's difficult to do for me personally, at least. Uh, why, why so? Um, I guess, I, I mean, it's almost obvious, but I get, talk it out. I, I think for me, part of the, the issues that I have is, uh, this was all right, you know, um, to him, to, uh, the other individuals at Google who made these decisions to keep this quiet, to just kind of push under the rug and, and move him out. I think it shows to the kind of character individual that he is. Um, you know, he did come out with his statement. He's claiming that none of this is true. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. that this is all just smearing in, in advance of his custody battle going with his uh, uh, his ex-wife or future ex-wife. You know, so there's definitely some question and doubt throw in there. But, you know, Google said that it's been confirmed and they viewed the, the allegations against him as credible. Um, you know, so he not only made terrible decisions, but he continued to make uh, terrible decisions going forward. And there was all this uh, background reporting in the people that uh, either anonymously or um, uh, publicly gave their names out and said that this happened. So uh, it's multiple people saying what they say against what he says at this point. Um, and uh, that's something that... It, it's going to be challenging for his case here. I want to get to uh, TK here on this one. Just uh, what are your first takes on this? So <clears throat> the, the the story kind of just, to me, it was kind of, I got, I got caught out of, just out of nowhere. You know, suddenly somebody you've been, well, I mean, for, for in many ways, he's done a lot of good things for the community. He's these, I think Essential as a company was a good company. I'm, you know, sad to say where it's going now, but the, the level of, I guess, how deep this thing went, that's really the shock value for me. It wasn't just the fact that, because I'm going to say it, I'm not desensitized to the cases. There's a lot of things going on and a lot of big, you know, big names are basically being roped in things like this. But, uh, you know, just to see and his response is essentially very, you know, I'm really shocked that they shared my information, not necessarily kind of validating it. It's just the moment he segues into that you know, sharing specifics, it makes you just his statement feel less credible. So it's hard for me to believe him when he makes a statement that at the same time it says, I didn't do it. Oh, and oh, by the way, I, I'm surprised they shared my information. Yeah. The reality is it, it's hard. It's hard. And and like Dan said, it's you, you can't see him again in the same light. Uh, and this definitely has a lot of impact on his career now, because as, a, as his name now is associated with this, it's hard to work with him. Some of the behaviors that he has been uh, claimed to possess uh, from co-workers, he said uh, they have said that um, they, he has called uh, some employees stupid or incompetent and that uh, when he, uh, w he as was at the company for a time, he kept um, certain pornography on his work computer and all that was uh, given to him in return was uh, a docking in his bonus for that year, which, you know, is yeah. And had it been any low level person at that company, that would have been a, an immediate, here's your box, here's your pink slip out the door. Yeah. 
And Google it's, has been very permissive of uh, relationships in whatever form they take, even within uh, the company itself, if it's between uh, certain indirect subordinates uh, with their uh, not even people who they report to. And uh, but the way that um, this has been talked about, it seems like, you know, even though he has participated in consensual relationships with uh, these people, uh, mm-hmm. it's that he didn't disclose them properly. And that's what kind of pushed him into uh, the wrong with Google at the very mm-hmm. least. Um, but again, all in the face of this, we've seen him gather up annual compensations of at least $20 million uh, past 2011. Yeah. And then, you know, we see stock bonuses. Uh, we see a sweetheart loan for a Japanese beach estate. And he was given a severance package that was very, very um, generous. In fact, probably, I believe, the highest or one of the highest that has been given out. And uh, this was determined by uh, Larry Page, uh, one of the co-founders mm-hmm. of Google. And mm-hmm. if it wasn't clear enough um, when Larry Page learned of any misconduct that Ruben took part in, it should have been made apparent when he, and this is the New York Times is reporting, when he dis- d- determined the severance pay for Ruben. Like, there's some... That's, yeah. It, 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 like I said, it, it's a bad, it, it's not a good position to be in, not only to recognize that there's an issue, but the, the way it was dealt with, it was almost like, it, you know, it was self-serving to a certain point, which should not have been that way. And I think I, my hope is essentially that, that they, this actually does shed some light and changes some of their policies so that they don't get into that position again. And they can hopefully find a way to even, I don't know how you come back from that. It, it's a tough position to be in. It is. It is. Yeah, from the company, from, from both their sides, not just him. You know, he's he's not in there anymore, but he did get paid. And they facilitated all the other things that we saw from him after, even on his way out, like you said. So it, to me, it's a little bit hard and a sad day for, you know, for most Android users, I mean, because like I said, he holds a very high position for us. And that's one of the main key points about it is it's hard when you see somebody you admire do things like that. Uh, I do. I, I mean, I want to give this the cert- the weight it deserves, but I don't want to focus too much on it because it's kind of somewhat, you know, it's not really what we want to be able to talk about here in terms of no, no, you know, focusing on tech hardware. Uh, but um, just to wrap things up, I mean, we're do you like is how badly how much of an impact does this have on android's reputation or like at least the leadership like what will that have an effect uh towards because we haven't seen google uh speak about this uh in fact uh the top post on their keyword blog is android celebrating its 10th anniversary so anniversary uh, yeah i'm wondering what daniel thinks um, you know, I, I think that this is a, a bigger issue for Google, um, you know, than it might be for Android. Um, you know, unfortunately, we're seeing that, especially in the Me Too movement, that it's not having a huge effect on individuals themselves, but 
establishments are having issues. And, you know, this isn't something, a one-off thing for Google. There have been a few other individuals who have had sweetheart deals, have continued their roles at Google after these kinds of allegations and misconduct. Um, you know, so I definitely think that this is going to affect Google more than it's going to affect Android. I think people who maybe have been with Android since the very beginning and know Ruben's involvement with it from the beginning, they might be a little bit affected. Um, but I don't really think that it's much more than a speed bump right now for Android as a whole. But Google, I, I definitely think that this is a warning sign of maybe something worse that's coming up. TK, do you think yeah, the definitely. dissociation of uh, Android and Google when, you know, uh, Samsung and its Galaxy brand, uh, Moto, I, I was about Droid, to say the exact same thing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh, the fragmentation of Google, uh, well, the fragmentation of Android amongst all the different devices, carriers, OEMs. It's kind of on, an erotic uh, saving uh, grace of some sort. Yeah, it, it's... At the end, for the most part, people will refer to it. Maybe they may call to, you know call out to Google, but at the end of the day, Android is in so many different shapes and flavors and OEMs and devices and access. I think in in the whole, I don't see this as an issue for Android as an operating system. Uh, for anybody that has an Android phone, is not going to think about Android again. Tech tech nerds or the tech community knows and uh, understands who Andy is, and. The average user may or may not even be affected by it. They're only going to think about it as a Google effect. So, you know, it'll take time. And uh, like I said, it needs to be handled the right way uh, and truthfully. And they need to have a good plan so people can basically accept it and move on. Well. It's a tough one. It is. It, it, yeah, it is. And we shall move on but, uh, in the meantime to yeah, another topic. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just, <clears throat> you know... Um, it's something, but I, I felt like something had to be said about that, so I'm glad we did. Uh, let's uh, talk about Aptoid and third-party app stores for Android in the meantime, oh. because uh, we just learned this week. Well, we have we have one too. Just remember. Yeah, yeah, the XCA. Yeah, the XCA apps. Yeah, download yeah. it today. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have uh, just learned this week of a ruling in Portuguese courts that uh, supports Aptoid. Um, and uh, this uh, claim that the Google Play Protect security feature uh, that's uh, associated with the Play Store and whatnot has uh, been detecting Aptoid as a risk to uh, the user's devices and in yeah. some cases has uninstalled the app or has made it very, at the very least, has made it very, very hard to download apps from Aptoid uh, for the sake it is alleged of uh, harming competition and uh, Aptoid has said that it has affected at least 2.2 million daily active users, which it has lost. Uh, and the, well, we're going to have to see what happens uh, at this point to Google, which is already facing a whole bunch of uh, European commission. EU, yep. Uh, <clears throat> fines. Exactly. So uh, I want to know what your take is TK. I mean, so I, I, you have to look at it from both sides, right? So from one end, you have to look at it from the, the App Store, right? Or the, the Play Store versus Aptoid. Uh, there are other, app, you know, Apple or other stores that you can get applications from. So there's the XDA, the other apps. But for the most part, Google has never gone directly after other app stores. It, essentially, it hasn't tried to infringe on them being not only sideloaded, because you're downloading them directly. You're not downloading them direct from the Google Play Store. But it's the, it, I, I think it has to tie in into the whole Google Play Protect, right? It's a service that they're trying to say that this protects your device, gives you a security. So from Google's end, they're saying, look, 
you're bringing in an app, a, a, a store that's going to be able to download applications that are not verified by us, so we can't guarantee them. And I think that's where it should stop. It should not go into the point of saying, look, we're going to remove it for you. And not only that, we're going to make it very hard for you to use. So I like the, the ruling. I like the fact that it's allowing third-party application stores to reside and actually function as a, as a normal thing to update applications, push notifications, and stuff like that. Um, and I, I hope that this does not, you know, give Google the, the, the permission to say, okay, well, we're, you know, we're not going to be able to protect your device if you can download things from third-party application stores. And that's not true. It, you need to know what you're downloading. That's number one. You are the, the number one antivirus uh, program or uh, met, method is the user because mm. you're the one who opens the door. It, it, you can put as many, you know, locks on the door, but if you open that door, all of those locks are pointless. So, I'm I'm happy with the ruling. I think it's something that you know definitely will help the community and could definitely help us down the road as well. Because, as I said, XCA Store as well has other applications uh, that are intended for power users that sometimes do things even more than a standard app can. And Daniel, how have you That's been good. navigating all of this uh, news lately with uh, Google's bundling or whether it should bundle uh, certain services of its own? Yeah, uh, per personally, I agree with uh, TK's stance on it. You know, I think this ruling is good for Android as a whole. Um, you know, under the the auspice of you know the Play Protect, why hasn't Amazon been removed from certain? You know, you can sideload the Amazon App Store. Yeah. Um, like mm -hmm. we said at XCA, we have an App Store that you can sideload uh, for uh, you know mods and things like that on your phone. Why haven't we've been stopped for, you know, I know we've had problems in the Play Store, but why haven't we been stopped from sideloading and stuff? So it almost seems to me like this was a directed attack against them to remove them because this is a very big application and, and Google's no doubt losing money and, mm -hmm. you know, share because of the way that this was running. And I haven't seen anything as far as, um, you know, uh, uh, malware being spread. I haven't seen anything as far as uh, wares or, you know, hacked paid applications being spread through this app store. Uh, again, I haven't really, I haven't used it myself and nothing I've seen has mentioned that. So it's kind of weird that Google was targeting them. Um, you know, as far as the other EU rulings, um, I think it's going to take some time to really see where it's going to come down. Um, you know, in the EU, the Google's now going to be charging for application bundles based on the display density size. I think that's yep. a really dangerous road to go down. Um, I think it's going to encourage smaller OEMs to split off and kind of do their own deal. Um, so time will only tell as far as that goes. But as far as this is, I think this is a good ruling to help keep Android open and not wall it off to just, you know, what Google wants you to have. But, you know, yeah, safety, safe. like TK said, you've got to know what you're downloading. You've got to know what you're putting on your device. Well, especially to that yep. uh, EU ruling with uh, and how Google is re reacting to that in terms of uh, licensing out uh, these Google apps to Android OEMs targeting the European market. Uh, it, the, I mean, I'm wondering what the effects will be because uh, will it impact how these OEMs uh, bring over certain devices into those markets or if uh, anything will change at all, if uh, how money is made will continue to be made that way. Uh, I was wondering if either of you have any thoughts on that. So it, it, that one, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go first, Dan, because okay. mine is a little, yeah, <laughs> mine can get longer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was actually talking with some people about this pretty in depth, and I might have somewhat of a doom and gloom perspective on this, um, you know, but when you're considering devices that only cost 100 or $200, yeah. another 
10 15 20 in pure loss for these yeah. oems unless they're going to increase their profits or increase their prices that's a big hit we already know they're not making a whole lot of money on these low-scale devices so they're either going to stop making these low-scale devices or what i think is they're going to start moving away from google they're going to start offering third-party app stores huawei has them samsung has them xiaomi has them yep they have mm -hmm. their own app stores uh and a lot of the google services can be accessed through pwas you know i mean you go to the gmail website on your phone it's not a whole lot different than the gmail application on your phone you know so the google maps website the google maps website on the phone is very similar to the application so what is Google really offering by making them pay this, especially for those low-end devices? Um, you know, again, it could be just doom and gloom, but I think it's it's a scary look to what could possibly be coming, especially on that low end. Well, you mentioned uh, progressive web apps, and I'm wondering whether or not uh, KaiOS might have any sort of wedge into that, which Google is backing, by the way. So perhaps uh, that might be an up-and-coming maybe factor on that uh and uh we'll wrap things up here with tk yeah no i mean dan kind of summed it up pretty nicely i think the fact is there's a big market in europe with uh, mid-rangers and low-end devices that are intended to be basically cost effective uh, it's hard to bring that in into an ecosystem that's already there it, it's going to damage it and i think they miss i think for the most part this may be a leveraging point this may be just uh hey this is how it's going to impact you if you're going to start going on that route with us and i think it's just i'm hoping it's just a scare tactic it may be just a negotiation move that it, it does not impact low-end devices uh, but at the end of the day uh shameless plug uh if it does happen you got to keep in mind that, that there are other stores there are other application stores that could basically see this as a very big very easy opportunity to jump in manufacturers can release android without an actual google play services installed we've seen it in the past you can sideload things on your own um, and it, all it's really doing is just changing the interaction. Uh, but we'll have other options and other things that we can do, and people will find a way. That's that's the beauty of Android. There's always a way. Beautiful indeed. Uh, <laughs> I want to ask you about the beauty of a certain hardware uh, piece that uh, we might be getting into in the future. In China, we just learned that the Galaxy A9s and Galaxy A6s have been uh, have been launched and uh we are i think i'll cut i think i'll uh start that segment clean and just see if i can um get rid of the, yeah i just noticed that um, <laughs> can't even see your face you you, you uh, have you have that halo effect i was about to say oh okay give me give me one second <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know what happened before with my camera. This podcast brought to you by J.J. Abrams. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I was like, oh wow, this that's uh, that's not good luck. So, okay, and we are back. Yep, we are back. All right. I love getting boxes in the middle of a show. Oh, hey, was is is, is that? <laughs> Now, what would that be? Would you like to do no, it? No, it, it's not a phone. It's uh, I think it's a, a replacement bag for my tripod. But uh, <laughs> it's still nice to get it back because I was calling them and trying to find out if I can get it before a trip that I'm going on next week. Nice. It would, we, we should just do like a, a quote-unquote live unboxing, uh, but a Blue Balls edition, and then you'll just show off. The, <laughs> um... So I got this. It's exciting. <laughs> and you know what's coming Monday. Never seen before. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and uh, we'll do it at the end of the show. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, and no, then it never yeah. gets. But yeah, no. Yeah, 
All right. Weird, I'm yeah, going to try yeah. and do that segue again. So uh, give me a second here. Well, there's some beauty in that, I would guess. And uh, another thing that we can find beauty in, perhaps, is the Galaxy A8s. Now, in China, this week, we just found out about the Galaxy A9s and Galaxy A6s. And, you know, they're decent Galaxy A mid-range to premium level kind of things. Um, I think MediaTek has been really pushing this notion of new premium Mm -hmm. or you know, more generic term of premium B, but in terms of the A8S, which has been teased, uh, we're looking at bezel. Like, what? There aren't there any bezels? Bezels here? Is there's just curved glass, a curved display, and there's practically nothing there. Not even a, not even room for the selfie camera. So, what's going on here? Well, word is is that there's going to be that vaunted uh high in the sky innovation that we've been looking forward to for a long time and that is the hole in the display to allow room for the camera or at least well i guess the, my pie in the sky uh thought would have been to have the camera uh be able to shoot through the deactivated uh activated diodes that around the uh field of view that would have been my thought yeah but, yeah uh what I mean, are you looking forward to this? Is this something that will make it out of China? Let's start with uh, Daniel on this one. Yeah, I'm I'm actually pretty excited about this. This To me, this came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting to see it. Um, but one thing to keep in mind, TK, you might remember the same thing with you, Jules. Uh, back mm-hmm. in, oh gosh, was it 2015, I think it was, Samsung had the Galaxy A5. And that was mm-hmm. the very first full metal body Samsung phone. It was actually the predecessor to the body design that we actually saw in the Note 4. So this is something that Samsung has done before. They've tested, you know, new designs on their A-series phones. And I think this is something that, you know, this might be them working out the kinks and figuring out how it's going to work for the Galaxy S10. I think it's really cool. Um, There's really no telling whether this is going to be distracting or not. you know, I definitely think if they do this, the camera has to be in the center. But if we know on Android Pie, they have that corner cutout as part of the developer settings. So maybe they know that something's coming in the corner of displays. Um, you know, it could be distracting, but it's much better than notches, especially when you figure notches like the size of the one on the uh, the Pixel 3. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I think the Xiaomi Mi Mix 3 gives us an alternative to that if you don't want to you know, hole cut out in your display. You've got a beautiful full, uh, there's that that notch, (laughs) uh, a full display without having to have any holes cut out of it. Um, Yeah, sorry. I had to. He had to, he called it out. I had to point it out. Well, I mean, you got anything to point out about the A8S? I I think it's, so that it's a race to a a TV. I think it's like, we all want to have the bezel list, the, the nicest design. I think, I think Dan's right. It, it's really going to be an interesting design if they do go with it. The, the the camera needs to be centered. I would love to actually see something similar to the way you would describe it, which is the ability to have it behind the display. And just as you want to use your selfie camera, it deactivates the pixels in front of it. And suddenly we can see through and it can compensate for that. Uh, because we're starting to see some tech behind the display with the fingerprint sensor. So that could be the, the route coming down the road. But 
Um, I'm more interested still with the fact of where is the rest of the you know the earpiece? Are we talking bone conduction here? I mean, we'd when have everything to is already up there. Yeah, it's yeah. or or are, they, are we? Because you know, nobody mentioned any kind of mechanical things popping up with an earpiece. Uh, it's nice. I think it's a good design. Uh, will it come out of China? It's hard. Uh, the A series is generally have not done very good outside or at least in the U.S. because we don't usually get them here. Yeah. Uh, but I think as a as a device, I think it's a great concept. The uh, S10 needs to have a design change. We can no longer do incrementals anymore. 2018 was the incremental. 2010, or well, 2019 needs to be the new design. So that's that will be nice if they're able to do that and not do a notch. Yeah, <laughs> Although, yeah, go ahead. Regarding the uh, regarding the speaker that you're talking about, the Mi Mix and the Essential Phone have those razor thin speakers along the yep. the phone, so they might not have to do bone conduction. I really hope they don't do any kind of bone conduction going forward with this, uh, and instead use. It, it was hard to see speakers. from those images. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. I'm interested to see in those, and uh, definitely I want to see some of the new gestures we've seen in Pi betas on the. Uh, on the you know Samsung's UI uh, interface, I think that would be really nice because uh, then you have that's all you need. You need really good gestures, and this thing is just going to be heaven. Yep, <laughs> it'll be nice. It'll massive display and minimal uh, intrusion with the, the sensors in the front. I'm wondering how graphical UI might be affected if it's just going to be that constant displacement of those few diodes not being there physically. If it's just going to be yep. okay, well. Do we change the uh, notification bar or status bar entirely, uh, or just you know form it into a little lozenge in and of itself? Which I think we already have for, one too many the lozenges at the bottom of the display, at least for pixels. Well, kind of like the Mimix designs, right? I mean, uh, back in the day, Mimix used to be on the bottom right chin. Um, I think it's an interesting. I mean, we've seen a couple of even Xiaomi this this week, um, as you guys uh, have seen, the the slider option coming out on the on their device to try to keep the cameras and the sensors behind there hidden in front of the display. So we're seeing more options, definitely. I'm hoping something sticks, and this looks promising, definitely. We are one plus six T minus three days away. Ah, uh, oh, yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. I like to, I like to be able to uh, fit that in because that's just some that is. <laughs> It's just stupid, but you know, I I think it's cute. No, I know, I know. Yeah, but you can't do it on the regular one. It's only on the TCS, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I think there is some good news to be shared here, and that is uh, word that perhaps Verizon will be able to uh, not sell it, but at least accept it onto its network without having to hassle it too much. So finally, yeah, uh, something that's allowed on what's traditionally been a CDMA network. Uh, perhaps it's just going to be an LTE only phone. Um, Verizon has been, uh, doing more of those recently, even with its, uh, flip Mm -hmm. phones too. So, um, it'll be interesting to see, um, thoughts TK on, uh, this perhaps major development for OnePlus. So that was a big thing that for years people have been wanting to do with OnePlus devices because you're getting the ability of having a flexibility of a Pixel device or a Nexus device, but at a much lower price point. And a lot of people wanted to do it. Um, I think I think it's a win. I think OnePlus's strategy this year from having just basically the new, well, the things will get announced on Monday, but sure, basically the, the things coming down on Monday, if this is one of them, and it's true, obviously, that we're going to be able to use it. I think it's amazing. I think Razor's on the same uh, track. They just finally got their certification yesterday. Uh, we're seeing more GSM carriers now that LTE bands can be added. And then the, they're basically using GS, you know, um, SIM cards. And that's what makes it very flexible. You no longer have to call 
Verizon and switch between devices, especially if you're using the new new chips. So I think it's a very nice thing. I think OnePlus is poised to be. I, I'm. They're going to be very big in 2019, and I think this is a very. very it's, this is going to play a big part. Yeah, you mentioned um, uh, the Razer phone too on that. Yeah, I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. So, well, that that one just got it last night. Yeah. They, they they certified it. It passed yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I mean, totally interesting. And given the recent controversies about Verizon having even talked about potentially sim locking its phones again, it's like, okay, uh, what, yeah. what do we want to do here? What like how do we really feel about Verizon? I'm wondering uh, if you have any thoughts towards um, just that network uh, adversarial relationship, Daniel. Yeah, so um, you know, I like TK said. I think this is fantastic for uh, OnePlus, and it's for fantastic for enthusiasts in general that we're going to start getting new devices on Verizon's network. Um, you know, regarding mm -hmm. the the CDA CDMA capabilities of the network, um, they're actually phasing that out, which is why we're seeing LTE only devices come on. The, I think the HTC U11 was one of the first devices Verizon sold that was non CDMA. Um, and I think this is just mm -hmm. the beginning of that deluge of phones. Um, you know, it's important to remember that the phones still do have to be um, authorized by Verizon. They have to be uh, Volte certified because that is where their, uh, you know, emergency calling has to go through voice over LTE. Um, you know, and I think this is good for the industry as a whole now that you'll be able to go between carriers with the same phone, you know, and not be, you know, buy a Verizon version of a phone and then buy a T-Mobile version of a phone or, or whatever. And for people who have been waiting for a OnePlus device, the OnePlus 6 is a fantastic phone. It has its flaws, but then again, it's, yep. you know, it's way cheaper than every single other phone on the market. Um, you know, so I think this is a very promising thing. And I think, I think if, if OnePlus can leverage this properly and can really advertise the heck out of this, which they will absolutely do, uh, I think they can open up to a whole new audience that doesn't want to spend $1,000 on a Pixel, but still wants the latest and greatest. Well, the one thing that w keeps us tied to uh, our carriers as it is right now is not contracts, but the equipment installment plans where you pay 24 months for a device and you have to stay on the network otherwise that uh lump sum becomes due immediately so um you know perhaps we still need an unlocked market for that um and you know to some of the company's credits uh here we do see them offering more financing these days but they're more risk averse uh, <coughs> of, uh this kind of market i would say so eh. Interesting developments going on there. Let's move on finally yeah. to uh, this little fun story. I guess it's not—it's not fun for uh, Ksenia Sobchak, and I apologize if my Russian is uh, lacking here. But uh, she was, at the very least, uh, a Samsung brand ambassador. And when you're a brand ambassador then the thing that you have to do is be an ambassador, uh, 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 an advocate, a uh, show-off for the brand that you're representing. You have to represent the yep. brand. And it appears that in an appearance on a talk show, uh, the reality TV star and politician was trying to hide the fact that she was using an iPhone instead of supposedly what she was contracted to use, probably a Galaxy phone. And uh, yep. people were kind of, yeah, they, they called her out on that. 
there we see a couple of shots of the TV program in question uh, on the story here, which you can access at pocketnow.com slash podcast. And uh, yeah, it's not a good look. <laughs> uh, she is being sued for breach of contract. And uh, yeah, $1.6 million the equivalent. Uh, not something to uh, sneeze at here. So just a no, quick no, takes no. on this one, uh, TK. I, you know, it. it's funny because it, I mean, obviously this is not the first time we've seen things like that, right? I mean, I, the moment that this I saw this uh, this article, uh, I was like, I'm having a flashback of MKBHD snap, you know, doing the screen grab of, you know, said company's name and said phone <laughs> being used to post from. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, it is a job, right? I mean, especially, you know, influencers and people that are in, in the public eye are performing a, a you know a service of sorts when you make an agreement you really should make a good point of using or honoring the the agreement or at least make it so that you have the ability of using other devices is it realistic though that they're going after saying you know because it could have been obviously you know maybe the phone was broken maybe something happened there's a lot of things why people switch phones but is it really justified i think it's just samsung's trying to make sure that you know they're they're putting they're putting their weight behind this one uh it's 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 comical in the say in the sense of what's going in, but it's it's very serious in the amount of numbers that they're talking. Yeah. Obviously, this is you know very very serious. I'm not trying to belittle it, but you know it it's a it's a thing. If you're contracted to do something, you you should have you know carried that phone with you, and you can carry two phones. It's not it's not bad to carry you know two, sometimes three. Oh, Dan, boy. help me out, bro. Uh, you know, a lot of phones. It's not a. It's not bad. The visual joke <laughs> yeah. has been lost on our podcast listeners. Yeah, yeah, and and you could see right there. You know, it it's not uncommon. So uh, it's it's sad to see, but you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, people will uh, will learn from this, and we won't hear any more about these things. I'm sorry, listeners. We're, we're just we're piling on. I'm, we have nothing for you, I know. Uh, Daniel. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Daniel, uh, I mean, TK, uh, I think, uh, has a great point in terms of, we don't know every single detail about this issue and that there might be mitigating factors for, uh, the star in question here, but, uh, how difficult it is, is it to walk the line, especially when we don't have, uh, tangible assessment of how well these influencers, uh, do for the companies that they are employed by. Yeah, um, I'd like $1.6 million for using somebody's phone. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up, bro. Sign me up. I'll be on that list right now. Yeah. Uh, but I'll have to split that 1.6 between like three to four yeah. companies because I can't. Seriously. <laughs> um, you know, and, and honestly, this could be something as simple as, you know, iMessage is hard to get out of. And a lot of people are hooked on yeah. it. And, you know, I don't know the nature of her agreement. You know, it's definitely difficult for us to speculate to that. Um, you know, so she might have been using it to keep in contact with her family or her producer or something like that. And there might have been a, a viable reason for her to using that. But, you know, when she had that contract, you know, she's hiding it with a piece of paper. So either she was hiding it from the screen or she was hiding it because she didn't want them to see she was on her iPhone. When she when you're in public, you've got to be using the device that, that uh, you know, you've been contracted to use. You, you shouldn't be going and using yep. other things. Um, but, you know, like you, like you said before, this is a difficult thing to speculate on. We don't have all the details. Um, but, you know, it's it's happened so many times before uh, that uh, it's, it's, it's comical to see. But it's unfortunate in her situation that she could stand to lose a lot of money. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that's something in the new media world that we live in. That kind of just—it's where there's thorns in the rose, you could say. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen, I would like to thank you for uh, being part of the panel here for this first part of the show. Been a very, very uh, good pleasure having you on, uh, especially you, Daniel, for your first time. Congratulations! Yeah, thank you. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and thank you, TK. Thank you as well. Uh, we'll be getting into some talk about Xiaomi in just a second with Nicole Scott of Mobile Geeks right after you hear these messages. The Pocket Now Weekly is brought to you by the National Security Agency. Almost every day we hear something on the news about a cyber attack. Sometimes it's just a bunch of pranksters, but more often it's a foreign country with vast cyber resources trying to hack into our power grid, our banking systems, or our military's information networks. The National Security Agency plays a big part in protecting our country from cyber attacks, and you can help. The NSA is hiring technical professionals to serve on the front lines of information security. If you work in computer science, networking, programming, or electrical engineering, you can help keep our country safe. Design new hardware systems and networks. Write faster, smarter programs. Protect America's critical infrastructure. Or help uncover what our adversaries are planning to do next. Learn more about careers at the National Security Agency today. Visit intelligencecareers.gov NSA. That's intelligencecareers.gov NSA. The Pocket Now Weekly is also supported by OnePlus. The OnePlus 6T launches in just a few days. Tickets to the events sold out quickly, but you can watch it live on October 29 at 11 a.m. Eastern from wherever you are. Just go to pocketnow.com slash OnePlus 6T for more info. Xiaomi has put in two major device launches this week, both flagship Android phones in their own right. One's for tech progressives and the other for the most intense gamer. It seems like the company is cementing its place as a warrior the Chinese market can't ignore as it caps off a year growth and the stock offering too. Don't forget about that. Joining us to discuss all things made of millet, because apparently that's how you translate that out, Xiaomi, is Mobile Geek's own Nicole Scott, who took time out of her darn Friday night to talk to me about this in Taipei. What are you doing here, Nicole? <laughs> you should be out drinking a little bit and, you know, living it up. And I'm not going to lie. There might be some Japanese whiskey during this podcast. Oh, okay. It's been a good Friday night so far. And this is a pretty great way to kind of spend my well, 12, 1230 a.m. This is a great way <laughs> on a Friday night, to be honest. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're able to do that. To you. I just had a little instant coffee a little earlier and um, it was all right. It was decent. So. But forget about that, because who needs caffeine? Nothing anyway. like a good Habiki 12, so. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll, I'll, take the, I'll take note of that. And uh, in the meantime, we shall talk about uh, all things Xiaomi. Uh, let's start off with the Mi Mix 3 that was just announced uh, yesterday, the 25th, uh, at, of all places, the Forbidden City, because if you want to be the best and the biggest you have to go there and you have to show things off and there's a special forbidden palace uh edition of the me mix 3 which is uh historically the mix has been this bezel-less leader uh it was the first one uh the first phone that drove down those bezels or made an attempt to and then since then it's just been uh what was it the bandwagon that goes along with it and now 
it's sort of doing its own thing, kinda. N- not really, also, because it's kind of fighting with Oppo. So there's that magnetic slider that they're doing for to hide the cameras. Uh, and there are also a couple of other things, like uh, 10 gigabytes of RAM. Um, 5G, we haven't really heard much about. They made a big point about promoting that in the run-up to this. Uh, but we don't have the networks just yet. Other than that, it's just a continuation of, you know, pushing those edges just slightly, slightly closer to non-existence. So, I mean, what's your general take, first of all, on this? The Mi Mix 2, I absolutely loved. I mean, it, it may have been the slipperiest phone in the existence of phones, but it, it was beautiful and something that probably shouldn't have been released to the market only because it's so difficult to make. So the fact that they went super limited production, but actually bothered to release it instead of just saying like, hey, this is a showcase phone. Like already that was hats off to the, the Mi Mix line with, with the two. But with the three, I feel like this one, they could actually go wide. I mean, that kind of slider for the camera, because Oppo did it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like not unique it's just i think xiaomi's not ready to go pr- to like full production with that and kind of go wide so i think this will be the first me mix that maybe more people can get than just those who are lucky in china <laughs> it's kind of an inflection point in some way because the industry has already gone full production mass production on their own kind of you know i mean we talk about the notch as much as we want as well as like the chin and everything else but like that is the form factor that really allows for uh those bezels to be reduced as much as they are already even compared to what 2017 like that's uh, it's a very very stark difference um i'm wondering uh in terms of just being able to carry on that theme of you know wider availability like does this where does it really compare because oppo released its find x it's kind of a high-end super powerful uh, you know motorized thing with the slider and this is just magnets so you can just you know slide it in and out um like is where do you think this will land in terms of the psyche of the chinese consumer so when you look at the find and you look at the me mix i personally feel a little more secure in grabbing the xiaomi only because i'm a woman who destroys handsets like i crack every fourth pretty much that i get even though i'm careful or i i really try to be but this motorized component that goes up and down i just think to myself i'm gonna break that for sure i'm gonna have a drop that i'm gonna i'm gonna break that at least what if it's like a physical slider that you're like and it's good for three hundred thousand, which to me seems low like if you look at everybody who's made a video they're all like look at this right and it's like they're they're all showing off with the flicking so i think that their phone would have gone through at least a hundred thousand before they left beijing Just showing that off and, you know, Just showing yeah, it off. Yeah, I, can, I can I can do this better than you can. Listen to that. Listen to that. You can like you can just see and like we make videos. So we know how many outtakes there are on that clicking. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Right. So for me, yeah. 300,000 seems like maybe that's a maybe a conservative number. They say a few years, but I don't know. I take a lot of selfies and I think a lot of people take a lot of selfies. But I think that the like the magnetic mechanism seems like a more durable, more realistic kind of iteration of that kind of bezel-less enablement. Like more more so than like a I don't know, that's me. <laughs> I mean, that's totally fair. I mean, it's not like um 
you know, you're paying $1,200 for this. You're paying, uh, the thing is, uh, 30 or 300 ish, uh, in Chinese yuan. So that's roughly five, 600. Uh, and this goes within Xiaomi's ethos of not, the, uh, I believe it was their Indian division that talked about this. And it was like, okay, we're never going to release a $700 phone unless the technology, uh, is there for it. If, if, we can pioneer on this without compromising. And yes. I'm wondering if uh, this is, does it, does it, how strongly the Mi Mix 3 is able to keep up on that? Because there is a little bit of creep in there. Like it's not 2,500, it's 30, it's in the 3,000s. You know, I think that people are less and less willing to to drop a thousand dollars on a phone, especially when you need to add like the the higher specifications. It's even more. I think that we've kind of reached our limit, even though everyone says, you know, oh, yeah, we can definitely, you know, that market is still growing. But when people ask me for advice, most of the people that 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 talk to me own like are like five hundred, seven hundred. The few that are willing to spend a thousand are only those that are like very device specific like say like the note 9 or they just can't leave apple right like those 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 are the only two so in my heart of hearts i feel like we've probably maybe seen the limit of that $1000 so the 5 to $700 range is where we're going to be seeing a, a lot more people so i th- i think it's still fine and honestly the hardware's evolved to a point where the difference between five hundred and seven dollars, like seven uh, five hundred and a thousand dollars, is so small, right? It's so small that you need to just love new features and love like getting a new phone. Like you have the habit and you can't get rid of it. I'm just not sure that the average person now will want to extend like longer. Like we're we're seeing upgrade happen every two years now instead of like. 14 months. So I think, I don't know. I think there's definitely a place for like, not at the absolute best, but pretty close, but not a thousand dollars. I mean, when you're pegging a lot of services, uh, I mean, Xiaomi makes it all, you know, the bulk of its revenue and services, but when you're paying a lot of services that, you know, these cute price points of nine ninety nine or a hundred bucks for a service plan uh, for the cellular connection. It's, it's just, it doesn't really make sense to be able to justify that difference. If all things considered, everything is the same. So, I mean, that's a fair point to make. Uh, I do want to move on to uh, their newest subsidiary, Black Shark. And uh, earlier this week, they just launched the Black Shark Hilo which is the second phone uh, that they've launched this year, just in total, but both this year and in total. It was just amazing how, first of all, the gaming niche continues to uh, consume uh, the attention of a lot of um, more youth-focused, I would say, uh, brands. And um, th- there's just something that reeks of outdoing Razer. Like, okay, so Razer Phone 2, there's this uh, RGB chroma. It's for the Tri-Snake logo. And then, oh, no, they're just going to apply it to the Shark logo. And then we have these uh, spoilers, and they're going to be gradiated so you can flow patterns on it. It's going to be great. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff, too, that we could um, totally get into. But I just wanted to get your sense of how, um, you know, especially in the Chinese market where there are, where gaming is just life almost. 
um, how you think this compares or how you think what your perspective is. So there's an interesting statistic and sorry for the, there's a little bit of whiskey involved tonight. <laughs> no, I, I have to, I have to see the whiskey. I need a little whiskey. Yeah. You need a little whiskey. So there's an interest, interesting statistic about China that I love to ponder every once in a while. And it's that coming up to 2020, there's going to be over 300 million single men in China because of the yeah. one child policy. And they've you know made changes to correct this, but it's still a cultural kind of bear. But we're also just going to see this population mass come up that they can't do anything about now, right? I mean, they can open up their borders, which they have done a little bit to deal with it, but esports and gaming is the primary way that I see the Chinese government controlling this massive amount of single men who are turning 18. Esports and gaming. So we can definitely see the need for a gaming phone in a market that's emerging for predominantly young men who may be a little uncomfortable around women <laughs> to put I it mean, politely all you gotta do is get all the women to uh, get into the stadium uh too and then everything i guess may uh, xi jinping might consider that harmonious or something like that. many women this is the this is the difference right there's a few less than normal so like having this you know like nicely controlled digital kind of haven of online gaming that they can create specific events around and have an online community that's like really male focused um i think it's perfect for this type of on-the-go device because the markets emerged to a point where smartphones are now purpose-driven it's no longer like which is the best phone it's like which is the best phone for you like which phone is the one that actually speaks to your needs and i think we're so lucky to be at this point now that we can stop focusing on minute technical innovation like bezel size and focus on the real point of the smartphone what can it do to enrich my life and when you can like when you're conscious enough of who you are to be able to define what you need that's like a that's a second question altogether that i tend to like therapy people through when they ask me for smartphone advice now so once you kind of get past that then you can kind of say okay this is the right phone for me and i think it's great that we're finally there and not just like okay if you want good you know battery life or all day or camera i mean everything's now kind of good enough where you can honestly start to ask that question, like, what do I need for a smartphone? And for the China market, there's a massive need for a gaming phone. Yeah, yeah. And I think a good example of what you just pointed out there is, I mean, it's more than just about the specs. It's more than just about having 10 gigs of RAM on it. It's about being able to utilize some of the latest, the biggest buzzwords like AI. If you're able to, uh, this, this phone is uh, being touted with a feature that allows it to uh, record like a big moment it's able to detect like oh you're going in for a major kill it's able to record 10 seconds around that moment and then you can choose to share it on weibo or wherever that you would like to share it on like it's anticipating those needs and i feel like that is going to be something that is going to put the helo or whatever else a step above another so i mean I think you have it right on the mark in terms of that. So um, uh, do you have anything, I guess, in terms of a, as a reflection of 
perhaps just what Xiaomi is able to do with this category. So I Xiaomi has still so much potential and I think as a company a really solid vision. They just have had such a like, strong ability to create ecosystems in, like inside of China and people have criticized it but at the same time like one of the reasons why I live in Taipei and why I'm so interested in going to Shenzhen is just seeing all of this like hey we're making it we're doing it what I mean oh wait we should figure out what people think about it oh right okay cool right there's this <laughs> like huge just passion to do and they've been able to harness that through their stores because they just don't sell their own devices. They sell a whole bunch of other stuff. And it's kind of allowed this really interesting array of products to the Chinese consumer in a like much more entertaining way than we view retail. So for me, Xiaomi as a company, their smart to, like their smartphone division is just like one small part of like an overall plan for how people live. Um, yeah. So I'm still super on board with Xiaomi. <laughs> well, I mean, totally. And especially that drive that they have. I mean, talk about this year. They opened up the first 24-hour Mijia store in Russia, of all places, because that's a major market that they kind of have um, – synergies is not really the word for it, but, you know, sympathies or empathies or something like that. Yeah, there's – there there's like the, the Russian market is just huge and open, and it's physically so close to China as well. There's a lot yeah. going for it there just with their physical closeness. And I believe – like they're they're sort of uh, eking into London somehow, and uh, you know all the rest of Europe and Eurasia, uh, and then there is also the fact that they're really just a manufacturer. At least, you know they're they're not Huawei in the sense that they're under investigation for so many of these uh, telecom, you know, um, uh, uh, spying kind of accusations, scandals, scandals, and- yeah. So they're kind of in a unique role. They're in a unique position here to be able to be a Chinese company, but not have a specter over them. So where do you think this goes on as, you know, after the IPO, after everything else, where do you think this goes in terms of uh, 2019 and perhaps beyond? In all honesty, I think Xiaomi has stronger brand recognition, but Oppo has a slightly better position um, for like a more accepted government release. Like Xiaomi still has a lot of controversy around patent infringement. Like, and that's been one of the highly talked about things over the past few years about why they haven't entered into Europe. And I don't know how much all of that will actually come into play because everybody seems to be descending on London as like that. Ha ha ha. Brexit, hey, it's amazing. Brexit. Maybe this is going to play in favor of my corporate <laughs> otherness. <laughs> like, so I like get in on those low taxes, right? Yeah, and just like there's, there's definitely this really like every everybody's moving in 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 into london i mean even huawei's headquarters have uh, moved from germany into london oppo is setting up or oneplus is setting up there there's just like, there seems to be this huge outflux from europe um that i'm not fully up to date on but at the same time i think it's interesting that xiaomi's making a play at the same time as other all, all, the, all these other other manufacturers 
and I, I think they'll be able to pull something off because of the shop that I talked about earlier and a lot of these partners have actually figured out how to distribute into Europe. So I think that they have a strong network that they could leverage off of because of the ecosystem that they've, they've built in China. Well, I mean, last I looked into uh, their public offering, I don't think there were any Chinese uh, banks floating it. So that could ease some suspicions, at least from the foreign end. And then there's also, you know, the the rumors, the ginning up of talking about, hey, Xiaomi is going to be in the United States sometime late next year, uh, late this year or early next year. And everyone's, you know, this has been one of the hot, hotter companies that we've been looking forward to. If there was any Chinese entity to enter into the U.S., we've seen Huawei come in and blow up and then, you know, now it's perhaps Xiaomi's turn to perhaps um, maybe write that ship or what else, whatever the fates might have in store for them. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, I do want to throw you a curveball here and uh, talk about just a little bit about the HTC Exodus One, which uh, the, <laughs> you know, yeah, blockchain phone. We're going to talk about that for just a little bit. Um, as far as I know, this is really just uh, HTC U12+, Plus, uh, but with a more uh, emphasis on crypto. That's pretty much it. You can only buy it with cryptocurrency. Um, 0.15 Bitcoin, which if I do the quick conversion on Google, uh, it tells me that it's $960. So I guess that's to be expected i'm not sure if it's fair but it's to be expected and for the most part it's just a lot of the same um specifications but you have more wallets you have more access to the nodes and whatnot and there wasn't really too much talk about this original vision um vision excuse me of this the idea of you know how this is a whole new entire um blockchain network because each phone will be a node and whatnot so um thoughts on this just for a quick second so very interestingly i have i'm based in taiwan mm. HTC is a taiwanese company here's some backstory that i think will frame this phone perfectly taiwan isn't a country Right. China says you recognize China or you recognize Taiwan. Taiwan's technically not a country. One of my biggest banes of existence here is international banking because the banks don't actually have the same guarantees because it's not an actual country. Right. So the bank, the International Banking Association, or, you know, d doesn't it's just not as easy. Politically, you know, politically. Correct. And so the banks have, have had international challenges for as long as Taiwan has existed. And two years ago now, the founder of Ethereum actually released Ethereum 2 here. No, last year. I think it was last year. Released Ethereum 2 at a conference here because Taiwan is looking to become a major crypto hub. Like to actually set up government, like everyone talks about Singapore and all these other places as being really progressive, but Taiwan is literally looking to how to secure its money against a Chinese invasion. <laughs> you know, let's just be real. This is something politically that with the Trump government has become a lot more present in like the country's thoughts. And HTC as a 
you know, Taiwanese company who's 100% there for all of Taiwan's needs and is wonderful in that in that aspect. Um, I think that this is a reaction to what's happening here in Taiwan politically. So to come out with a phone that really embraces crypto as like a base concept, right, for like a society and an ecosystem and like all of these things that would be more secure than potentially what Taiwan has right now. I'm not saying that this is what their vision is of it, but I'm saying that I think that this is a result of the political situation here in the country. Yeah, especially after the inauguration, uh, the election and inauguration of President uh, Tsai Ing-wen of the Democratic Progressive Party. He, she has been kind of, you know, treading water more with uh, Beijing. And it's just been, you know, it's a little on edge. So it's kind of both a uh, happenstance that, you know, blockchain technology is developing at the same time that these uh, tensions grow tighter. So, yeah, definitely. I think I, I think I think you were being very polite when you said treading water. She was actually the um, Taiwanese ambassador to to China, so she was in Beijing for many years, and she was known as a hard ass beep. Yeah. <laughs> in order to deal with, like she she doesn't you know she doesn't back down, it's... and her and her stance is not that. Taiwan will rejoin China, which is very interesting during this kind of time when the U.S. has backed Taiwan and now it's a total pawn. Well, now it's it's not just a you know a diplomatic relationship. She is now the figurehead of this so-called renegade province. So it's going to be especially interesting how you know, the next few years will navigate. So um, definitely a key factor in you know seeing hdc come out with this um even that may have not been the tech angle you were looking for but that was the angle that most i wanted to share (laughs) oh yeah totally i mean even in spite of htc's kind of um financially treading water it's kind of still trying its best to gather something up and then perhaps look into the future a little bit so i mean I've always, my brother is still considering an HTC U12 uh, for purchase. Uh, I hope that... They're great phones, though. Oh, yeah. They're, like, they're... It's, it's great hardware. The soft, the software, is, as last I heard, was still decent, if not just a little bit uh, long in the tooth. But it's just the fact that, you know, how much can I guarantee him that, okay, is this a really a good investment? Are you going to get good service from a company that is this deep in uh their uh mud so yeah it's... like my 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 phone's haptic feedback or like the the squeeze functions i didn't have any problems with mine but i held my review until everyone got their updates and i felt like it was a more even footing ground because i thought my phone worked really good but it still made me hesitant to recommend it when so many people were having issues with it and it's such a cool feature and when it when it when it misfires it's like you want to throw your phone against the <laughs> ground so it's it's definitely one of those things where you're like i love it but do i do i want to like hate it because you would hate yeah. it when it goes wrong trust me a thousand dollar phone is not something to play hot tomato with so yeah agreed <sighs> agreed yeah <laughs> Well, on that note, um, I think we should let you enjoy your Friday night a little bit more. So, All right. Nicole Scott, Mobile Geeks, uh, we love you. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
making your own phone is a tall task, and it's not one that is taken up readily by many, but if you have the right ambition and expectations, well, this one Kickstarter project is ready for you to fund. And with that interview that we have been looking forward to, here is Joshua Regara. Oh, hi. My name is Albert. I'm 20, and a year and a half ago, I launched a Kickstarter campaign for Maker Buino, an educational gaming device. Thanks to your amazing help, we produced thousands of Maker Buinos and turned our passion and hobbies into something more. After collecting feedback from hundreds of Maker Buino supporters, we've come up with something completely new. Meet MakerPhone! We are talking with... Um, one of the main people behind what is called the MakerPhone, a project that is up on Kickstarter right now that has uh, grossed over $185,000 above oh, yeah. the that's play. much already. Yeah, it's up there. I have the... I have oh. the uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, my name is Albert Geishek. Yeah, so I'm the creator of MakerPhone, and actually I'm uh, the co-founder of the startup behind MakerPhone. Uh, the startup is called Circuit Mess, and the name, it actually comes from two words, circuit, because, you know, that's what we do. We make circuits and mess because our company is in a mess. So we figured out <laughs> it's a great name for our startup. So yeah, I'm actually 20 and I was founded my company when I was in high school. So on fourth grade of high school, I uh, started the Kickstarter campaign for Maker Buino and that was our first project. So Maker Buino basically is a do-it-yourself gaming device and the first crowdfunding campaign it raised over $100,000. We mm. fulfilled all of Maker Buinos, continued selling them and started working on a new project that we have currently launched 12 days ago. And yeah, we're already over $185,000. So yeah, it's it's actually selling pretty well. So yeah. Yeah. Um, well, well, first of by all, the way, congratulations on that. Oh, sorry. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that uh, besides me and this little startup, there's also uh, seven, pe- seven people working in it. And it all started a year and a half ago. And currently we're a small team based here in Croatia. You know, Croatia, it's a small country in Europe. You know, it, it, it was on World Cup this year in, in the finals, so you probably you probably heard about it now. Yeah. But before that nobody knew where it was. So yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you just mentioned a little while ago that you are you're twenty, first of all. So I'm I'm already feeling a little bit older. But um the question that I have is like um so coming from uh coming from this younger generation like what inspired you to take a look at what could be considered sort of a throwback uh we'll get into the product uh we'll get into the product in a little bit but um obviously you know i have like a google pixel 3 right here on the table and we have all of these really advanced smartphones what what was the impetus of this particular uh microphone product yeah so I, that's that's uh that's a tough question so actually Makerphone, it, um, our main goal was not to make something retro. You know, I, I mean, retro, it certainly is becoming increasingly popular with, you know, stuff like NES Mini or I don't oh, know, yeah. PlayStation Mini and stuff like that. So retro, it's all over the place right now. But actually, when I started with Makerbuino, I made the first prototype uh, six years ago. Uh, and actually, it was inspired by this whole Maker movement. So... 
I'm actually, I was born in 98, so I'm actually the PlayStation 2 generation. So oh, I was man. playing PlayStation 2, and yeah, I, I actually, <laughs> I, I wasn't playing pixel art games and stuff like that when I was young. Uh, I mean, pixel art, they weren't called pixel art games back then, they were just called games. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> So exactly. yeah, I, I actually, I actually do not recall Pokemon or stuff like that being played, yeah. but what actually inspired this whole project was this maker movement, and in the couple of in, in a few past years it became uh you know increasingly popular just like retro became popular you know maker movement people building stuff in their homes buying 3d printers printing i don't know stuff and you know playing with arduinos and you know i just i jumped on that whole maker craze when i was 11 or so and i figured out that you know it's number one, it's, it's really fun. You know, I really liked building stuff and I still love building stuff. And that's why I started this whole business. And the second reason why we actually started with Maker Wien and Makerphone was that we saw a huge potential in this market. So currently education, STEM, uh, makers, stuff like that, it's becoming increasingly popular. And this whole educational and maker market, it's just, it's growing. And because of that, we saw that, you know, a product like this really, you know, can make some kind of an impact on the market. So that was actually the primary motivation. And the whole retro aspect of the device, it actually, it, it, it was, uh, it came like some kind of uh, side effect. Because if you want to make a phone that a person can assemble uh, by its own hands, you know, you uh, cannot make it super complex. It cannot run the latest version of Android. It needs to be retro. It needs to have a processor that runs pixel, artsy, you know, uh, sprites and has 128 by 160 pixels. Because uh, first of all, we didn't want to make it super expensive. We wanted to make a device that's going to educate people, not compete with modern flagships. And second of all, we wanted to make it simple. So, yeah, retro, it actually came as a side effect. But, you know, it's also a selling point of our product now because people are actually remembering Space Invaders and stuff like that. They were coding <laughs> on, I don't know, ZX Spectrums and stuff like that. So, Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. So, yeah, um, I so guess that's the answer. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think the, I think the retro aspect uh, does, does, does really well uh, to sort of um, – it's sort of like self-marketing in a way, because a lot of people might look at this kind of device and think, wow, that's that's a bit of a throwback, and I really like that. As you said, retro is really in right now. Uh, but at the same time, uh, like you said, you didn't want to make a device that was too complicated. So there are a couple of different tiers on this, and I would implore everybody to check out the Kickstarter page, really get to know this product, because it's, <laughs> it's honestly really, really cool. And it is really affordable. I mean, I'm looking at this now, and a fully assembled one is an option. So you can just get straight into the device. But if you want to actually make it, there's an, that edge educational aspect to this uh what comes with that particular kit um and how much experience would someone have to have with let's say soldering because i saw that picture and i'm, I'm intimidated <laughs> by something like that just from the outset <laughs> okay yeah so uh what comes in the kit is actually we have several kit versions as you said we have a, a standard kit in which you get a box with 
you know, all the components that the phone needs in order to work. We also have an assembled version because we understand that some people are intimidated by the, you know, assembly process and are not really keen to soldering. So we offer that as a version two because they only want to code. And the third version is the tools pack where you also get, you know, all the, all the tools that you need for the assembly as well as the kit. So in the basic kit, uh, yeah, you get the components and you need to assemble it. And the skill level that uh, actually the age limit that uh, we recommend is 11 plus. So this device, certainly you could assemble it. I, I guess that you're 11 plus. And <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, that's the that's basically that's, that's the age limit. Uh, the skill level, we say and claim that if you have no skill, whatever, in this field of electronics and programming and, you know, soldering, uh, we can teach you using our internet tutorials. So everything that you need to have is the tools and some enthusiasm and interest in technology. And we're going to teach you everything else. Uh, so it may look complex, but actually this kit, this mobile phone, uh, you do not assemble all the parts on it. So on the front page, on the front side of the mobile phone, you have these big modules. For example, I don't know if you're looking at our listing right now, but for example, we have this diagram with uh, nine parts. So there's like nine basic parts. This big red PCB, the circuit board, you have a screen module, an amplifier module, you have the sound player module, the main microprocessor and stuff like that, the big, big parts like push buttons. So you only need to solder and assemble the big parts. And you also have some tiny components on the back side of the PCB of the circuit board, which come already pre-soldered. So the reason behind this is... Uh, some of those components that are on the back, you really cannot buy them in a package big enough for an, you know, average person, for an average person to solder it on the back. And also, if we made the phone, uh, fully DIY. So if you were assembling every single component of the phone, it would probably be as big as a table. So that's the oh, reason yeah, yeah, why yeah. we, <laughs> yeah. So it would be pretty, you know, pretty clunky. You know, and it's it's already pretty clunky, so I think it will be <laughs> too clunky. So that's the reason why anyone can assemble it, because basically you're assembling the phone, but you're not really assembling all the tiny components. You're just, you know, uh, putting the basics on it and soldering. But through this uh, process of assembling your phone, we're trying to teach you all the basics, for example, soldering and explain you how an actual phone works. For example, our guide, it's, it's not, uh, it's not like IKEA's build guide where they show you where you put the screws and that's it. We're trying to educate people just like with Maker Buino and tell them, okay, this is the microcomputer. It's used for this and that. So this is a resistor. You put it here because of this. So yeah, that's the, that's the whole point of the device. Yeah, and, and I'm sure people will be able to see in the Kickstarter page. But if anyone is is, is thinking about it, um, this phone will be able to make – it has a GSM radio, even Wi-Fi, and even Bluetooth. That kind of surprised me as well. I thought that was really awesome. So it, there will be a lot of those functions right out of the box. But I guess uh, where I want to go next here is obviously the hardware is a big focus of the microphone. Um, what can you say and share with our listeners and viewers about the software experience? Because clearly there's a learning experience behind that as well. 
Okay, yeah, so software, yeah, actually, uh, emphasis was on the hardware, but we're not just selling hardware. We're not just creating hardware. And what we're trying to make is this database of uh, tutorials and educational material and content and software that is going to be used for the maker firm. We have something like that already developed for Maker Buino. We call it the Creations Gallery. And basically, it's a gallery of video games that users have made. And on Maker Buino, we already allowed people to create their own games and share it in our creations gallery. And with Makerphone, we are trying to step this up a bit, a little bit. And yeah, the, the, the whole point is that you can connect your Makerphone to your PC just after you assemble it, and you can code it in three main languages, in Scratch, in Python, and in Arduino, which is basically C and C++. And what we're trying to do with this is we've segmented this learning process into levels. We actually have this showed on a graphic in our page. So we're trying to get people into coding with Scratch. And for those who do not know what Scratch is, it's a deep most basic programming language that is nowadays used in educational institutions worldwide. Uh, basically, it's it's a, it's a window with blocks that you need to put together and, you know, form code. And it's really great because with just two blocks of code, you can make something, you can write Hello World on your phone and you can actually see something happening. And the second, the second level is Python and it's an increasingly popular language. And actually the creator of Python, he created the language uh, in order to allow people that are not engineers and programmers to get into coding. So it's, you know, it, it, it doesn't have a variable allocation and stuff like that. So it's pretty straightforward for someone to get into textual coding. And the final level is Arduino, which is, which is basically uh, C and C++. And it's actually a pretty uh, strong language. It's pretty powerful and you can code actual software, for example, video games in, in Unity and easily swap to C-sharp after that level. So, yeah, that, that's the whole point of Makerphone. And what we're, what we're actually trying to do is wrap all this up in what we call the CircuitMess world. And CircuitMess world, it's actually a big hub for uh, all these creations, tutorials, and software that we and users are creating for the Makerphone. And we're also going to, you know, uh, we're also going to offer Maker Buino's tutorials there as well. Oh, that's great. Uh, so, so coming from Maker Buino to now this month's Maker Phone, um, there have been a lot of Arduino uh, Kickstarter campaigns that have been successful. Obviously, yours is the most DIY of the bunch. Um, did you did you see any of those other crowdfunding um, campaigns? Like, what did you learn from all of those that you brought into this particular campaign, which is already wildly successful? Uh, yeah. So. Uh... What you what you're actually asking is if I've seen other similar campaigns like yes. Arduino campaigns and so yeah of course I mean we were uh, it's a it's a bad term but we were stalking other campaigns <laughs> and other products and uh, you know business developers they usually call it uh, uh, marketing analysis so we were doing a marketing analysis and looking at our Kickstarter at other Kickstarter campaigns and similar products and so far this is the 
this is the first DIY phone in uh, in this form. There were some other DIY phones on the market, uh, and people usually when we uh, when we show this to an average consumer, they usually say, "Oh, this is like Google's Project Aura, and this is like phone blocks, and this it was already made." So uh, I would like to point out that microphone it's not phone blocks reimagined so phone blocks is was trying to substitute your iphone your samsung galaxy it's, it was trying to compete with flagships this is purely an educational device and it's not going to replace your iphone and about arduino and maker projects yeah i agree that there's an increasing an increasing number of them appearing on on the market and on Kickstarter, on Indiegogo, on similar campaigns. But I think that we are actually the first one to uh, make a device in this form factor. And what I actually think about all these, uh, and it, you know, you you cannot really generalize it, but most of those Arduino kits and boards and uh, development. Uh, kits that appear on the market, I think that they are just boring because you have a ton of devices that are tiny robots on free wheels that you assemble. And when you show that to someone, it's just, you know, it's boring. And with this thing, we're trying to uh, bring this whole maker idea and the DIY aspect to a broader audience. We're going to, we're trying to appeal to a mainstream audience because a mobile phone, everybody knows what a mobile phone is. Everybody has one. And when you uh, give them this kit, when you give this kit to a child, then the child, it's not learning how to solder because you tell the child it's good. The child is learning how to solder because it wants to make this super cool mobile phone, which plays games, which, you know, uh, runs apps, which uh, does some MP3 piles and stuff like that. So there is this end goal, and that's what we we're trying to do. This so basically, uh, what we invented here is okay. Invented is a strong word. So basically, what where where we innovated here is this crossover of mainstream, so mobile phones and DIY. So that's what we've connected because this is yet another DIY kit and there's a ton of that and the 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 only thing that we how we differ from the competition is with this whole mainstream plus DIY kit crossover idea. I love that. I I, lo- I love I love that you kind of give that idea of the incentive of learning how to do all of these things because that's that's a real thing. Like we're being told all the time these days that coding is really important. Everyone can learn to code, everyone should learn to code, but then not a lot of people can answer the question, well what am I going to do with it? So yeah, yeah is, that's correct. A, I mean, yeah. with Maker Buena, we actually tried to make the same thing. We were mm-hmm. doing test workshops before we uh, actually decided to make a Kickstarter campaign. And kids, they they just love the idea of making their own consoles because uh, that way you didn't have to explain them. You know, coding is useful. Uh, a kid, it, it really doesn't care if coding is useful. It cares about this super cool game console that plays games the same yeah. the same stories with microphone yeah that's awesome um okay so uh what are the what are the overarching goals for something like this i don't want to go so far as to say well microphone 
uh, bring you into a place where you can make like like a maker smartphone or something like that. Um, because obviously that would overcomplicate things. And you, like you said, you don't want to do that. But what are the general goals for this particular product? You said educational. Um, is there going to be some sort of like consumer aspect to it that goes beyond the DIY aspect? Are you looking to create products in the future based upon all this? Okay, so our uh, big goal, the big picture, uh, how we see it, you know, we, we are a startup. We uh, exist for a year and a half, and that's really not so much time. So uh, stuff is changing so quickly that sometimes, you know, we really do not know how the company is going to look like in six months. We really cannot predict in which way our growth is going to go. But how, how, how we see it currently, we really want to stay in this educational market and the DIY maker market for some time because we see a huge potential. As I said uh, earlier, uh, I think that you know, uh, STEM education and educational toys and stuff like that, it's a, it's a huge growing market that's just expanding. And what we are trying to do is a series of DIY maker products that are going to bring technology, bring engineering, bring coding to the masses in a fun and interesting way. There's the story behind Maker Buino. There's the story behind Makerphone. We're actually trying to connect mainstream with DIY with our products, and we're trying to do it in different ways. Uh, some uh, short-term plans would be... Uh, Currently, our kits, they're all 11 plus because it includes, they, they include soldering. And soldering, sometimes it intimidates people. It's not suitable for young children. And what we would really like to do is design kit versions of Maker Buino and Maker Phone that are going to be less complex, that are going to be made of snap-on components that you put together and you need to you do not need to solder. We're, we actually want to make a series of products that are going to um, appeal to different age limits, so something for a bit younger children, something for a bit older children, and we are trying to make... Uh, kits that are going to be in different price ranges. So, for example, we're going to make something a bit more expensive than Makerphone, some premium products, and I think that we really want to make uh, something that's, be, that's going to be a bit cheaper. And the whole story behind this is uh, we're building this brand, Circuit Mess, our company name. We are going to shut down MakerBuino.com and forward it to CircuitMess.com and we're going to unite all our products that we are currently working on under this name. So that's the big picture where we want to go. And we'll see, maybe... Maybe we'll be selling toothbrushes on Amazon. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. And I, and I can see a lot of uh, general consumers finding things to love about this. I mean, this it, just for all of our listeners and viewers, think of it this way. There's, this is a phone that is uh, under $200. It has a headphone jack and a dedicated DAC. So think yeah, about that. Yeah, headphone jack, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, headphone All jack, that's a... Uh, yeah. It's a feature. Also, it has eight notification lights. I don't know if you've seen. So I just saw, yeah, picture, I, was, I was looking at that earlier. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nowadays everyone's competing with number of cameras and we're competing with a number of flashy lights. So mm -hmm. this I is can the see first myself, phone uh, with eight notification lights. <laughs> <laughs> I could see myself using this as that apparatus for education. I, I, I have no coding experience, very little, I should say, but I also I have even less electrical experience when it comes to actually building things like this. So I would love to be able to try this out. I could even see myself. I can. I can even see us here at Pocket Now uh, and with XDA doing something like who can build it the fastest. 
you know, we could do that kind of thing. I think that'd be great. Yeah, that would be um, cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, awesome. Well, um, I really want to thank you for your time. Uh, to our viewers and listeners, make sure you check out the Kickstarter campaign. Um, the link is, as always, will be in the show notes, uh, and we'll also share it on our social media and everywhere. So I want to thank you again, Albert. Thank you so much for spending yeah, some time you. with us. Um, I, I wonder. I imagine it's pretty late over where you are right now, yeah, so thank you again. it's almost 9 p.m., yeah. Oh, oh not too bad. Um, yeah, not too bad. I'm going to work now. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, cool. So we're going to we'll, we'll connect again uh, in the future. Uh, I would say good luck on the campaign, but it's already funded. I hope it gets even better for the next month. Yeah, um, thanks. Yeah. All right, cool. So uh, back to the show for us. Thanks, Josh. And you can learn more about Makerphone and all of the stories you've heard today by going to this episode's description. You can also head to pocketnow.com slash podcast to find the rundown. And on that note, that is it for now. The weekly is just as much a conversation as it is a show, so make sure your voices are heard, either in the comment sections or by emailing us, podcast at pocketnow.com. On Twitter, Daniel is at A-L-T-I-M-A-X-9-8. TK is at TKDSL8655. Nicole is at Nicole Scooter. Josh is at JVTechT, because he loves tech and he loves his tea. And I can be found at Point Jewels. Pocket Now is at Pocket Now on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube in English and Espanol, where you can find more news on the Pocket Now Daily and Pocket Now Adiario every weekday. We'd certainly appreciate your feedback through Google, Apple, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, or wherever you happen to be streaming us, because without you, we wouldn't have been able to make this show for your eyes and ears for 329 weeks straight. Thanks for your company. It's been a pleasure. Let's meet again soon.